Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Sports on a Sunday Morning. There's a swing and a long one. That's a goner for Bader. Touchdown, Kansas City. Johnson pops a three. Oh, the Bayou Billiken says I'm involved too. On America's Sports Choice, KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman, 10.06. We are two hours away from Adam Wainwright throwing the first pitch down in Jupiter, Florida. Cardinal baseball. We didn't have Cardinals yesterday. It's a little odd not having Cardinals on a Saturday. I don't think that'll ever happen for the rest of the year. I think that's it. I think you have a Grapefruit League schedule, I know for a fact, that has every Saturday filled from this point forward. Let me just scan BK real quick. April, May, June, July, August, September, October. I'm right. Every, every Saturday, Saturday is filled from here on out. So Why would they not? I, that's a one day you would think they'd always play. Saturday and Sunday, you got to play. Ah, you know, oh, well. everything's different in the last year. <laughs> it is. You know, one year ago today, we had our first COVID case in St. Louis County. Yes, we did. And that's when it all started. I was packing my bags one year ago today for Florida. And mm-hmm. I left the next day. I was just all smiling, you know, it was Saturday night and left Sunday morning to go to Jupiter, Florida met up with our crew down there. We called a couple of games and suddenly the Cardinals told us that we were not going to be allowed to go into the clubhouse and we would only be able to talk to the players on the field at a distance. And we're like, Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is happening. And then I remember it was a Wednesday and I was with Kyle McClellan. We're in the broadcast booth in Port St. Lucie and the alert came on my phone. The NCAA tournament will be played in front of no fans. Like, Oh boy. This is not good. Mm -hmm. And then we started to see the dominoes fall. Rudy Gobert of the NBA test positive. The NBA shuts things down. You knew what was coming next. Yeah. The next day, the Cardinals played their last spring training game. Spring training was shut down. The conference tournaments were shut down. The NCAA tournament was shut down and the world was shut down. And so it's, uh, it's, um, I did not think that we would be here at this situation a year later. We were thinking a couple of weeks, maybe. You know, yeah. I remember talking to a restaurant owner and he said, if I can get through a couple of weeks, we're okay. I thought, oh, well, hopefully that'll be enough. Well, I still have my calendar from last year's blues season. And it has the Florida game that was moved from a Tuesday to a Monday because of the Anaheim game that they had to make up. And so it was, it, that was kind of the beginning. And really it was sports that made it obvious that it was becoming serious because right. when the NBA stopped play, then mm-hmm. the NHL, like you mentioned, major league baseball, and so that's when I think a lot of people realize this is this is bigger than just uh, just another flu Absolutely. or something else. And it was one year ago this week that all yeah. of that started to happen. So here we are. Now, what we do on this show and on this radio station is to try to bring you a distraction, some normalcy, some comfort. And that is Cardinal Baseball on a nice sunny afternoon. That's mm-hmm. where we're going to bring you today at 12.05. And who better than Adam Wainwright to pitch to bring you that entertainment. Now, We'll get into the lineup in just a bit. Mike Claiborne's going to join us. Let me work our way backwards. 1145 Cardinals president, Bill DeWitt III, my conversation with him about fans back at Bush Stadium, and he'll provide some details on that. 1130, it'll be John Moselock, Cardinals president of baseball operations. What's going on with this Cardinals rotation? And some things happening with how they're pitching, but also Miles Michaelis has yet to pitch. So we'll ask him about all of that at 1130. 1115, 
Uh, Doug Elgin, the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference, had a tough weekend, to be honest. I mean, they had a, a game that was shut down. Game three on Friday, Northern Iowa had a positive test within the program. And because of city guidelines, mm-hmm. they had to shut that team down and could not play. And uh, he apologized, Doug Elgin did, for not knowing that they were going to have to go by city guidelines over MVC guidelines. So we'll talk about that a little bit today, 11-15. At uh, 10-45, Travis Ford's going to join us. He had a tough day. They lost to St. Bonaventure yesterday. Slew basketball coach will be with us live, and we'll check his tournament chances with Jerry Palm at 10-30, 20 minutes away from CBS Sports Bractologist Mike Claiborne at 10-15. Right now for a few minutes, it's Brian Kelly with our Blues breakdown. And the Blues, gosh, I mean, I, I hate to keep adding bad news to it. Illinois had the one piece of good news with a nice win over Ohio State yesterday. Uh, but uh, what in the world? I mean, 3 nothing lead, and the Blues blow it and fall 4-3 to the Kings. Was it as bad? I saw it. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was not good. Right. Um, they're not a bad hockey team. They just let that one slip away. And they came out. It seemed like they were really fired up to have Vladdy Tarasenko back. I mean, they came out, and they were you know pushing forward on their toes and, and dominating quite a bit, keeping the play in the zone, and then... They get that three nothing lead, and you know when when LA scores what late in the first, you're thinking, okay, that's not good, but uh, okay, let's take a break, come back, and then start it again. Then those those two goals late in the second period, the one penalty on Walker, I thought was really really weak. How do you call that interference when the he has a puck on his stick? I'll never know. And that led to the power play goal, which was followed quickly by another Kings goal, and that three goal lead is gone. And three goal leads are are the worst in hockey. And when you get a three goal lead, you got to keep pushing as much as you want to. I thought the two goal bit, lead was the worst in hockey. I think the three, the three goal. Yeah, I mean, two is not that big, but you get three and, and you feel because you feel good yeah. about a three yeah, goal lead, you. you know? And then you give up one. And then the second one, now they've got all the momentum and you've got to try to fire up, you know, get on your toes again. And, and it's not always easy to do. So, uh, yeah, it, it was disappointing. You get a point out of it, but. Uh, you, you got to come away with a W when you get a 3 nothing lead, and they got to keep their foot on the pedal. The thing was, we would be celebrating this morning Vladimir Tarasenko's game-winning mm-hmm. goal and oh, on yeah. his first game back, and the Blues are amazing, and they've won five in a row. It's amazing how the narrative can change just by one play. Now, they let the game get away from them, and it was 3-3 going into overtime, but I'm telling you, if Tarasenko scores the goal, it's a whole different conversation. Yeah, Tarasenko's back. The Blues are awesome. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Tarasenko has the puck. He nearly scores, makes a really nice play to yeah. get through two defenders, but then he fans on it. Braden Shen dives to try to get possession. He can't get it to Krug. So you got Tarasenko is basically down low because he was right in front of the goal. Shen's on the ice. Yeah. So the only one left uh, is one player. And uh, yeah, and it's a, a two on one, really a three on one. Yeah. And the Kings just go right in on Bennington and score. And that's the end of that. So the blues lose the game four to three in overtime four Oh, and one on this road trip. BK. Yeah. You, you know, that's a good road trip. You still got San Jose and you'll play them and then hopefully get the two more points before you come home and take on Vegas. Who's really good. Uh, Tarasenko played what 16 minutes last night, 16 and a half minutes had four shots, had a hit and it was good to see him deliver that hit and, Skate away from it. Okay. He looked good. He looked, uh, you know, step at a time. But it was great to have him back in the lineup. And, and, and you know, the, the thing with overtime, I'm overtime and the shootout are, are like exhibitions. You know, I mean, you lose in overtime and say, yeah, it's three on three. You know, it, 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 you, I hear you. You missed that point. But I but do you gotta like win, it, though. You got to win five on five. You got to win in regulation. 
to really. For me, it's entertaining. I it I is. like the three because you know you play the Kings, they play that one three one, and they just you know yeah. muck up the ice, and you can't get through it. I like three on three because it's open, and I always think the Blues are going to win the game yeah. because they have some good speed, they have good goal scorers, they they just. You know, they have a good goaltender. I always feel like they have an advantage for whatever reason in overtime. And so I get excited to see what that outcome is going to be. Hoffman got it done in the game before that. Mm-hmm. This time, not to be. But uh, yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. I, I do think, from a sports fan standpoint, it's exciting if you can make it to overtime as a viewer uh, to get to that point and watch it. Yeah, it, it's fun. There's no question about it. It's exciting. But I, I it's not. To me, it's not real hockey. As, no, you know, I hear five you. on five, and, and that's the way you should play. Uh, it's and, a little, little gimmicky. Win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, I don't know. Well, I, I'm interested to see him play Vegas next week and see where they stand against really the top team in the West, and uh, get that win in San Jose and come home. But uh, boy, it's it's tough to let that uh, that go. And as Jim Fox on the on the Kings broadcast last night said, when when Shen dove for the puck, that was all or nothing. Yeah. When Tarasenko came in, I I love to see Tarasenko with that move, <clears throat> that that patented move he has from the white right-wing boards, backs into the net, goes to the net. That was beautiful to see him do that. That shows he's confident. He's ready to get right back in there. He's not babying anything. And and he almost scored, and then Shen sells out. And then it's three-on-one. Yeah, it was over at that point. Uh, yeah. He has uh, always known that that was going to be the game that he would come back. Yeah. Tarasenko knew that was going to be the game. It was not a surprise. They had targeted mm-hmm. that specific date. And he was back and looked good, I thought. So. And Yana broke it yesterday with an Instagram yeah, she picture. She did. She did. I saw that Instagram post. Uh-huh. I thought, wow, two weeks in a row. He had Deidre Pujols. Uh, yeah. But although she ended up not breaking anything, she was just wishing him well uh, yeah. for his final year at the Angels. Uh-huh. Uh, but anyway, uh, we'll talk to Mike Claiborne about the Cardinals next. BK, we appreciate okay. it. Good Thank blues you, breakdown there. James O'Sullivan's our producer. Claves is standing by from Jupiter, Florida. Cardinals and Astros today at 12.05. We'll get into that right after this from kmox sports here's the pitch welcome back to sports on a sunday morning on america's sports voice kmox thomas is set as is vault his delivery on the way breaking ball line drive base hit into left field one run will score here comes dean now they hold him up at third so once again lane thomas with an rbi three rbis on the night and the Cardinals have cut into the lead 5-4. Very nice call for my friend Mike Claiborne on Friday from West Palm Beach, Florida. The Cardinals lost that game to the Nationals 7-6. Lane Thomas has a good day, two for four with three RBIs. He's back in the lineup today playing center field. And Mike Claiborne will be watching things from Jupiter, Florida. Good morning, Claves. How are you? Good morning, Tom. How are you? Doing great. Uh, Lane Thomas back in there. That's for two reasons. One, they want to see what he can do. But two, uh, Harrison Bader's still bothered by a forearm, isn't he? They're going to keep him out a little longer. Yeah, it, it's been barking a little bit for about a week. And um, they think he'll be ready to go on Tuesday. And, and basically, Mike Schultz said that, you know, if this was regular season, you know, you would probably see him in the lineup. But at this time in the year, you just want to take the precautions and making sure you have them ready to go when it really counts. Um, and today would be a good day if you're a left-handed hitter because the wind is blowing out unlike anything we've seen in a while down here. So it'll be fun to watch, especially if you're a left-handed hitter. Oh, yeah? Well, that's back in the when we used to park that uh, KMOX broadcast oh, center behind the right field be- fence. <laughs> that it thing would be, be taking a beating. It would be dense today, Tom. Hey, trust me, that thing... 
they'd have to bring in a new one, probably bring in some new window panes as well because uh, it would be certainly target practice for anybody today as we're watching guys taking batting practice and these lefties are jumping in the box and all they're doing is looking to pull the ball. <laughs> we used to sit in there and you hear this boom, boom. Yeah. And we're like, Matt Adams must be taking BP. <laughs> yeah. I remember John Jay hit one through a window there one year. Oh, that's right. Uh, well, uh, then a lefty is facing the Cardinals today, uh, Kent Emanuel. And the Cardinals, uh, I saw us stack their lineup pretty good with righties, at least to start things off. You got here's what it looks like Edmund Dean, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Carpenter is the lone lefty in there. The others are switch hitters, Molina, Carlson. O'Neal and Thomas and uh, Adam Wainwright on the mound, who really is the only pitcher who's, I mean, it's early, but in a Grapefruit League game, starting pitcher who's really held his own. It, results are what they are, but what are your feelings about the rotation right now? Yeah, you know, he's been really efficient uh, in the brief time he was out there. I think when he went uh, two innings and didn't give up anything. Uh, Flaherty had a pretty good B game on Friday. Uh, they were they were feeling good about him, but you're right with regard to everybody else who's gotten off to a little bit of a rocky start. And, you know, the problem more than anything else, Tom, is the walks. I mean, the, the control isn't there, and a lot of these guys are fighting. And this is a time when you're working on different pitches and you're trying to make sure you, you have a good feel for it. And, you know, some pitchers just like to see the reaction of the, the hitters when they see certain pitches. So an experimental week last week, uh, with only 24 games, I'm trying to break this up into eight-game sections and to see who's improving and who's making adjustments from one week to another. So this will be an important week for a few players as far as at-bats are concerned and certainly innings pitched. Uh, we'll get KK tomorrow, and he had a real rough outing his first time out. We'll see what adjustments he made for the last time. Yeah, and John Gant, to your point, said that he just couldn't get a feel for his breaking ball. It just wasn't uh, going where he wanted it to go, that kind of thing. He also missed, I think, on a cutter that uh, was taken out of the park by Avila. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things are going to happen this time of year. What are you hearing about Miles Michaelis? What's the latest with the Cardinals right-hander? Uh, he's scheduled to have a side session today. His shoulder had been barking just a hair, and they really want to be careful with him coming off the, the forearm surgery, and they don't want to make sure that this thing escalates into something more serious. But he's scheduled to throw on the side today. So I would imagine if he gets to a mound opportunity, it wouldn't be until later in the week. Okay, gotcha. And then taking a look at this lineup right now, um, you got Austin Dean getting a look at shortstop. Matt Carpenter getting another look at second base. I have this feeling he's going to get every opportunity. Not that he's going to win that job, but he's going to make that into some sort of a competition here because that's going to be his primary position with Arenado and Goldschmidt playing on the corners. But uh, so far, what are your observations of Matt Carpenter at second base? Uh, defensively, he's made plays. Um, he went up the middle the other day, made a really nice play. But the, the question here is the offense. There's been none, and, and that's a concern. He got chewed up pretty good down in West Palm Beach the last couple of games, and uh, it just it's not clicking yet. So you hope this week will be better than last week. But I think at some point, you touched on it, Tom, they're going to give him as many opportunities as they can, whether as a DH or a second baseman to see what he can do with a bat in his hand. I think the glove aspect is something they can accept either way. But offensively, they've got to do something because if he doesn't hit, they don't really have a left-handed threat other than uh, two guys who combined have a year and a half of experience in the big leagues. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. What what about the top two spots in the order? I see Edmund in there again. Does he have that close to lockdown? And what do you think of two in the order? Yeah, yeah I think he's done a nice job there uh, from both sides of the plate. Uh, he's hitting over 430 now. You know, it's early in the year. But at the end of the day, I think he's had some really good at-bats. Uh, and, you know, sometimes a good at-bat doesn't necessarily mean you hit it in the seats or you hit a double, but just how you, you handle yourself in different counts. So in that situation, I think he's done a nice job. The two-spot, uh, Mike Schultz playing with that a lot. Uh, Dylan Carlson was there for a bit. Paul Young's up there today. And I think that in that situation, um, it's going to be rather fluid with respect to who may be on the mound. But they're going to give a lot of guys a chance to, to take that spot permanently. So right now I think Carlson might be in the clubhouse with a very slight lead. Mike Claiborne joining us from the T.R. Hughes Broadcast Center in Jupiter, Florida. Just a couple more things for him. The call today, a great crew. Mike Shannon, John Rooney, Ricky Horton, Mike Claiborne, Jim Jackson. There is no better booth in Major League Baseball than them. What about the Cardinals' prospects right now? Who is jumping out at you, or is there any buzz about a particular player? Granted, it's early, but uh, what kind of buzz are you hearing right now? Well, the Casada, the pitcher... Uh, that the Cardinals acquired from Philadelphia is intriguing. Uh, Rondon, uh, the Cardinals minor league prospect with a really good slider. He really pitched well the other night. Um, other than that, you know, there's some guys that are trying to make the ball club. Um, you know, Edmundo Sosa, who I think has as good a pair of hands as anybody on the infield. He's uh, battling. And I'll tell you another guy, Max Maroff is a, is a guy because he's a switch hitter. He's intriguing because, as I mentioned earlier, we don't have a lot of punch from the left side. So uh, defensively, he seems like he's okay because he can play three positions. But I think if he can do something offensively, he's going to make the Cardinals make a tough decision because Sosa is out of options. So um, somebody may have to go. Somebody may be in the minors. Uh, it won't be Sosa. So he either makes it or they, they move on from him. But I think those are the two guys right now. I think this week we'll get a better look. I'll tell you another guy. Uh, Zach Thompson pitched well the other night. And this is the former first-round pick from the University of Kentucky. I thought he had a nice outing uh, down in West Palm Beach. So there are a few guys, but I think this week will give us a better indication of, of who they really want to take a longer look at. Great stuff, Klaibs. Really appreciate it. Always love having you on the show. And say hi to all the guys and enjoy the day down in Jupiter today. We'll hear you all at 12.05. Well, I'm sitting next to Mike and Ricky. So, Mike, Ricky, Tom, and Mike waves back. So we're all good. (laughs) Hello, gentlemen. That's awesome. Thank you, Klaibs. Appreciate it very much. Have a great day. Outstanding. Cardinals broadcast team in Jupiter, Florida, from Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. Sports on a Sunday morning continues. Jerry Palm from CBS Sports joins us for back-to-back weeks as he gets ready to reveal what he thinks will be the field of 68 in the NCAA tournament back in a moment on KMOX. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It's 1031 Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman, joined by CBS Sports bracketologist Jerry Palm. Jerry, back-to-back weeks for you, my friend. That Gene Cady autograph basketball's got to be coming your way now. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, uh, well, I'm always glad to be on, uh, on your show in particular, but on KMOX. 
Oh, it's great to have you on KMOX. You've helped us out for years and years. We really appreciate it. Jerry, when you go to CBSSports.com and you look at the number one story, it's your story. So we're going to talk about the Bracken just a bit. I thought you'd get a kick out of this yesterday. My daughter's basketball game, last one of the year. I'm so locked into the game that I don't realize that up there's like an elevated track where people run above these courts and they had a TV on with the Indiana Purdue game. And I caught a glimpse of it and I'm like, Oh no. And it was, you know, a five point game. And suddenly it was an 11 point game. I mean, it's just the yeah. way oh, it's you going. saw that part of the game where they got the technical foul in that. <laughs> yes, I did. I actually haven't watched the game myself yet. Um, the- I saw the last couple of minutes, but I taped it um, because I just had uh, the nature of my job is that I don't always get to watch what I want to watch. I hear you. <laughs> there are things that I have to watch. So I was watching what I had to watch as opposed to what I wanted to watch and, and just set that one aside. I'll probably watch it later today or tomorrow. Maybe. Absolutely. Believe me. Sometimes I wish I had five monitors trying to keep up with all the things that I want to keep up with. But yeah, I looked up and I saw a split screen and Archie Miller was on the right side. And I'm like, Oh no, something bad just happened. Either they're talking about him and the future of IU basketball and who the next coach should be or something just happened to him in the game. So it was probably both. Uh, But anyway, uh, the Purdue alum and Indiana alum here bringing you some basketball on KMOX, Jerry Palm, Tom Ackerman. And Jerry, let's stay in the Big Ten. I mean, Illinois, I think, uh, showed yesterday, didn't they? They are number one seed. I mean, they took care of business again. They go to Ohio State after beating Michigan on the road. They win it with Io DeSumo back 73-68. Do they uh, hold a number one seed in your eyes right now? Well, they do for sure at the moment, and and I think it's theirs to lose at this point. Uh, The problem for Illinois is they still have to play in the Big Ten tournament, and at least two of the contenders for that spot are are also playing in that tournament. So I don't think it's quite over yet, but it's – I think it becomes more interesting if if Ohio State wins the Big Ten tournament or Iowa wins the Big Ten tournament, and now you've got a Big Ten tournament champion with a resume about as good as Illinois and. Uh, yeah, I, and of course, Illinois would have taken a loss in that tournament. Then I think it becomes a little iffier. Uh, but if Michigan wins a Big Ten tournament uh, and Illinois doesn't you know, take a bad loss early or something like that, I think they'll end up in that spot. So your ones right now would be Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Illinois. And then at two, another pair of Big Ten teams. What a year for this yeah. conference. Iowa no and, and Ohio State. But you also have West Virginia in there. Now, West Virginia uh, just lost, so they're they're yeah. currently sitting at a two in your mind. And then Alabama, yeah. the champion of the SEC, Jerry. Yeah, so it's it's funny. I think West Virginia probably would have moved down if there was somebody to move up. But, you know, uh, Florida State was on the three they lost. Uh, Villanova's on the three they lost. Um, Houston's playing today. Uh, so if they beat Memphis, they might move up. Uh, but it's, yeah, just no, was, there was nobody to take the spot from West Virginia today. So uh, maybe that'll still happen. But it's the big tw- top of the Big 12 has been very strong this year. Seven teams going to be in the tournament. All of them could be in the top 25 range. Uh, at the moment, the, the lowest seeded team would be Oklahoma. Uh, but even that's a borderline top 25 team. So, you know, that's number 25 in the brackets of seven. So you're talking about seven top half of the bracket teams, the big 10, you know, four teams on the, on the one and two lines, as you just mentioned, but also, you know, nine teams total in the bracket uh, produce in the top four seeds at the moment uh, and four other teams in the middle to the bracket and to the bottom where Michigan state is uh, trying to hang on. 
Mm. Let's uh, stay local. We talked about Illinois. Let's go to Missouri real quick. So Mizzou loses to LSU in a battle, 86-80 at Mizzou Arena. They'll be the seventh seed in the SEC tournament Thursday against Georgia. As it stands right now, where do you see the Tigers? Uh, I have Missouri, I think, as a seven in this in this bracket. They're, they've been kind of hanging around, you know, borderline top 25 territory as well. And it's, they've got one of the weirdest resumes. Oh, I actually have them as a six. You know, they've got outstanding wins, you know, Illinois, Alabama, Arkansas, and struggle with the middle of their league. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's, it's like the, the team that shows up for the big game, but then you don't know what you're getting otherwise. And they need to, you know, be more consistent. Uh, they could be dangerous in the tournament, or they could go out in the first round. That's what their resume looks like. Yeah, I hear you. There's, I feel like there are a few teams in the SEC like that. We have a lot of Kentucky fans in the audience, and I'm not saying they're going to do anything, but they're starting to show signs of life here. They've hit, they hit 13 threes yesterday against South Carolina. They're starting to win some games. It is their kind of like invitational. The SEC tournament has belonged <laughs> to them for years. Yeah. What now? What if they make a run through the tournament? That'll blow everything up. Well, if they make a run through the tournament, you know, they have to win it to make the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. You know, there, there's no in-between for them. Uh, but if they're actually able to do that, then they're a bid stealer. And nobody really thinks of bid stealers coming out of major conferences, but it, it can happen. Uh, but that's the situation where it happens. Is you've got somebody that, you know, Kentucky's in this situation. Duke may very well be in this situation in the ACC where the only path to the tournament is to win it, and then somebody does. And it's actually happened in the SEC before. I remember, oh gosh, it's probably been a dozen years or so where Arkansas made that kind of a run uh, and won the SEC tournament. It was the only way they were getting in. And uh, the team they knocked out may very well have been Vanderbilt that year, another SEC team, but it's not always that way. Well, we have a big game today here in St. Louis, 1 o'clock on CBS. It's Missouri Valley Conference Arch Madness final time, and it's Loyola against Drake. Are these two teams in right now, Jerry Palm, in the NCAA tournament? Well, I've got Loyola in as the automatic qualifier because they're the top seed, Uh, and I have Drake as one of my last four teams in the tournament right now. Uh, But I am not optimistic for them if they don't win today. It's uh, Loyola's got the better at-large profile. I think the best prospect for the Missouri Valley to get two teams in would be for Drake to win today and for Loyola to take their chances as an at-large. They're not a sure thing either, uh, but their schedule's a little better. Uh, They don't have the losses to Bradley and Valpo that um, Drake does. So I think Loyola's the better at-large candidate. Um, but, you know, Loyola doesn't care about that. It's not their job to get two teams in. It's their job to get them in. That's right. That's exactly right. They're really good, too. Boy, I'll tell you, they start to look like that Final Four team from a few years ago. We'll see. Uh, and then you know, finally, funny, yeah, um, because people can't talk about a good Loyola team without comparing them to that, Yeah, um, they would probably have to make a similar run this year because they're probably going to be, you know, a bottom half of the bracket team if they get in. Hmm, interesting. Uh, for those who don't know, if you want to watch him today, watch one of the best big men in the country, Cameron Crutwig. He is old school. He's got great footwork, awesome passer, finisher around the rim. He is a really good player. And Loyola will be going up against an enthusiastic Drake team that just beat a good Missouri State team. This should be a battle, absolute battle. Doug Elgin, the commissioner of the Valley, is going to be with us at 1115 
on the show. And coming up at 1045 is the head coach of the Billikens, Travis Ford. He's going to try to make his case on this show, Jerry, but they took a big loss yesterday, 71-53 to St. Bonaventure. Yeah, I'm not optimistic for them either. It's, uh, you know, it's a subjective process. It's guided by objective data. Uh, but the subjectiveness is, you know, part of that is do you really want to leave that as your last impression to the committee? You know, is, is a game where you're not very competitive against a team that's also, you know, would be a bubble team if they weren't a top seed. So that's it's St. Louis had a tough year. The A-10 had a tough year in general, just getting games played. Um, St. Louis has suffered for that. Uh, but their resume's got problems with two losses to Dayton and one to LaSalle. Uh, obviously the win over LSU outside the league and, and maybe even NC state are helpful. But the other thing about them is everything good they've done this year, they've done at home and the tournament's not played at home. So, you know, they, they really needed to show better uh, away from home in this tournament. Um, and they just, they just didn't show well at all yesterday. One thing they could do because the a 10 final isn't for another week is you could try to find a team that's in the same situation as you and then go play. You know, figure out a way yeah. to, to get a game and get everybody. There's nothing, right? Yeah, I don't think. I mean, unless there's something in, in particular in conference bylaws, but there there isn't really any rule that says that you have to stop playing when your conference tournament ends. You know, and if your conference tournament ends the week before everyone else's, you know, if you're playing one of the early tournaments and or you're done early, uh, there's no reason why you couldn't go out and schedule another game if you could find someone to schedule. Uh, and in this case, you know, somebody that would make it worth your while. Yeah, we'll ask them about that. We'll, we'll see what that what, what that entails and if they can pull that off between now and the selection committee a week from today. It's always one of my favorite days of the year. Of course, you always want your favorite teams in there, but that's not the way sports works. And uh, it'll be exciting nonetheless, and Jerry Palm will be all over it. I highly encourage you to check out his latest bracket, Full Field of 68, and all the teams on the bubble on the Bracketology Hub. You can just go to cbssports.com. You don't really have to go too far. It's right there on the front page, Bracketology. And they have real-time updates from the CBS College Hoops expert, Jerry Palm, and March Madness projections. This is always an exciting time of year and a busy time of year for Bracketology expert Jerry Palm. We appreciate it, Jerry. Thanks so much for being on KMOX. Oh, sure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll be joined live by SLU basketball coach Travis Ford. That's next on Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It's 1046 Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. We are joined by the head coach at St. Louis University, Travis Ford. His team loses yesterday and gets knocked out of the Atlantic 10 tournament, 71-53 to St. Bonaventure, coach. And uh, it was a tough one. I mean, that was a a team that was feeling good. You got that great win over UMass. Uh, What happened in your eyes uh, from what you saw against the Bonnies? Well, uh, good to be on. Um, you know, obviously we didn't play our best, but we, we you know, we got beat by a, a really good team, uh, a, a team that was the number one seed. Not that we're not a really good team, uh, but, you know, we were very, for whatever reason, lethargic. Uh, got off to a very poor start. <clears throat> Going back and watching the film, we missed seven layups in about the first 10 minutes of the game within the charge circle. Literally had one to two feet in the charge circle and, missed some layups and, you know, they, they came out hot and we got, you know, all kinds of excuses, but we got beat by a really good team. And, 
you know, give them all the credit. Uh, you know, they, uh, you know, that we'd beaten them two weeks before, but they were the better team last night. They were just a better team. And it was, you know, you, you can handle getting beat by a good team like that. Uh, but we were disappointed in how we played and, um, how we competed, but, um, you know, uh, it was just uh, – it, it wasn't our night. I said that after the game. Give give St. Bonaventure credit. They played extremely well, and um, we just – it just wasn't our night. It does show you the strength of the league, that's for sure. We've been talking about St. Bonaventure all season, and you have too, about how good they are. That's why that win that you had over them on that Saturday after just one day of yeah. practice was so significant and why everybody's – feelings turned about slew i think because we knew how good saint bonaventure was travis yeah no doubt you know they were you know this this is a team that uh has ever has had everybody together for three years and they're all just juniors but they have been together and they're a legitimate really good team Uh, and so are we so there's no excuse like hey they're just a whole lot better than us but they played better than us last night they were you know, in every aspect, they out-rebounded us. Their percentages, things that we normally do, they uh, they took care of their business. We did not. Uh, we don't want to make too many excuses, but uh, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, it, we like I said, we beat them a couple weeks ago. We beat them last year. We beat them in the you know uh, in in that in the finals two years ago. They we had an incredible battle with those guys. Uh, their coach does an amazing job. And, you know, again, they're a veteran team that's been together and they played like it. We just didn't play like it last night. And a lot of the reason was because of they, you know, their defense, their rebounding. Um, and they made all the plays to, to win a big game. Uh, again, we were disappointed in how we played, um, but we got to move on. You do. And now you wait to see what happens or do you? I mean, is there a chance that you could schedule another game. Now, I just had Jerry Palm on right before you from CBS. He's their bracketologist. He's good. I mean, he does this for a living. He runs the numbers. And he said he's not optimistic about where you sit right now. But I think it's a little closer than people think. He has you the first four out with a net of 36. You're by far the highest net of that grouping. You, Syracuse, Ole Miss, and Utah State – and then the next four in, the last four in, actually only VCU has a better net than you at 35. Is there a chance that you could try to schedule something to, to improve your standing between now and the selection committee's decision? Well, there is. We're actively, we've been on the phone all night last night, all morning to this morning, trying to figure it out. First of all, trying to figure out, do we need to? We've talked to a lot of different people uh, on, on, that we believe know, uh, or, or at least have an idea of these type things. Um, I think we got to let a day or two play out to kind of see what happens, but we are actively looking. Yes. But you go back and you, you know, you look, you, you look at our net and everybody talks about how important the net is. Well, those, th- that net number is good enough. Now you look at teams that they have already in, like you said, we're 36. There's teams, they have people then that are at an 80. Uh, it doesn't make sense. There's teams that are sixties that are, that they have already in. Uh, so I don't understand that end of it. But if you take even a step back, before the season even started, everybody was talking about, well, this is a different year. They're going to have to take into consideration all the different COVID protocols, teams that played more games, less games. Well, we obviously fall into that category. So we do have the numbers. The 36 is still a really good number, especially when you look at what we did 
pre, you know, non-conference. You know, we go seven and one with two what they call quad one victories against LSU and against NC State. And at the time, we go. The only loss was at maybe one of the hottest teams in the country at that time in Minnesota. At that point in time, they were the talk of the country, um, and gave them a heck of a game at their place. Now they've battled a ton of injuries since then, so maybe on paper it doesn't look as good. But if you dissect, if you really dive into it, it wasn't a bad loss at the time. And then we go into COVID, and everybody knows that story, but I think it has to take into consideration all the time we took off, and then we come out. No different than they talk about, well, so-and-so played, they lost those games because their best player was injured. Well, we had 12 guys who had COVID, and we come out of it, you know, and lose our first two games. How much do they put into that? Well, they three months ago, they said they were going to take those things into consideration. Um you know, and then we lose back-to-back road games at Dayton, at VCU, within three nights with each other, which is, you know, incredible challenge. And I'm making all kinds of, I may call it excuses, but it's it's a it it is real. Um, you know, so I do I think we're one of the top 25, 30 teams in the country. Absolutely, um, we've had our issues at times, but we got the numbers, and there's reasons that our number probably would even be much much higher. Um, that, uh, that that played a role in it. So, you know, hopefully somebody tells our story and it gets out there, you know, in that committee, in that room, and they really dissect it. And if it comes down to three or four teams and they're trying to pick one or two, they look and say, hey, you know, this team did win a lot of big games. They did go through a lot. We've won, I guess, what is it, eight out of our last 10 or, 11, you know, 11 or whatever it is. So there is an argument. And, uh, you know, but you know, we understand where we're at. We're trying to get a game. Um, if Obviously, if things don't go our way the NCAA tournament-wise, then hopefully maybe we'll be in the NIT. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you have. You've, you've been on a nice run here. And just to kind of back up the numbers that I mentioned before, you have that net of 36. You've played 20 games. You're 14-6 and six with a net of 36. Xavier has only played 20 games. They're 13-7. and seven. And their net is fifty-two. Yet people are in Jerry's considering that one right to be a team in. It doesn't make sense. You even look at, and I don't want to start right bashing, you know, other teams. But there's other teams that they have in that are, you know, that have been popular names of lately. But they don't have any big wins. You know, they've won a lot of games. uh, You know, but it it is what it is. We had we were you know we could have done something about it last night. But hopefully, again, the story is told. But as you talk to Jerry Palm and you talk to the Lenardis, we are right there. We're still right there. I mean, as of last night, Lenardi had us the second team out, and the only team ahead of us was Utah State. And, gosh, they were down 10 at halftime. We could have used end up winning. But, you know, we do want to play a game. To answer, we do want to play a game. Uh, you know, uh, if we can get the right game. It's got to be the right game. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. It should be very interesting. And then finally, your players. Just a, a final thought on, I mean, I'm, I don't know when their last game will be, but Jordan Goodwin and Hassan French and Josh Hightower for that matter. But uh, for those right. two, what a duo. I mean, they will go down, uh, and I know you're going to talk about this more on your coach's show, but two of the greatest players in program history, Coach Ford. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, 
uh, and there's been a lot of great players uh, that have put on the Billiken uniform and uh, to, you know, take the program to where it was when they came in uh, to where we're at and what they've accomplished. Uh, I said it on, on senior night, uh, helped lead us to an NCAA tournament where, you know, three years, four years, or three years prior to that, you know, the program was in last place and helped lead us to an NCAA tournament, a top 25 ranking this year. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that they've, uh, they've accomplished and a lot of individual accomplishments, scoring and block shot blocks, steals, each of them. Um, you know, I know they were disappointed in, in, in how they played last night, but there's more basketball to be played hopefully. And uh, there's no question they've made a huge impact on our program. Um, that uh, that will hopefully uh, carry on. Well, we appreciate them. We appreciate you. And thank you for all of these visits on KMOX this season. We do hope there are more. And we know we're going to hear from you tomorrow night on the Coaches Show, which you'll be taping on Facebook Live with Bob Ramsey tomorrow. We hope people tune into that on the KMOX Sports Facebook page at 10 a.m. Coach Ford, a pleasure as always. Best of luck to you and your program as we inch closer to Selection Sunday. Thanks so much, Tom. Appreciate you having me on. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for doing it. Travis Ford, the head coach of the Billikens, live on KMOX. We'll take a break. When we come back after the news, we'll get into some baseball and more college basketball with Valley Commissioner Doug Elgin at 11:15. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.